Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Tonight, we are going to be in 2 Kings chapter 19. And in this lengthy chapter, we only read one chapter on Tuesday night, verse by verse. Normally do two or three, but this is a long chapter and it's a very profound chapter. As I mentioned earlier in the week, the text for us where Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, is laying threats and essentially siege to Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Judah... This story is recorded for us in 2 Chronicles, 2 Kings, and in the book of Isaiah. It's one of those rare stories in the Old Testament that just transcends three books, which is amazing. And as we pick up the story tonight, what has happened? We looked at Hezekiah last week, just that amazing summary of his life where he did what was right in all the things of the Lord. He trusted in the Lord, what he was against, what he, was, what he removed, that he trusted in the Lord, and that he prospered. And we talked about all that last week in topical application. So again, we come back to Hezekiah tonight. But as we come back to Hezekiah, he is in this siege where they're under siege. Assyrian Empire, no one has stopped them. And they're rolling. They've, they've destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. They're gone, never to be heard from again. They're just taken away. And they've conquered basically every major stronghold city in the entire region, coming through Syria, down through modern Turkey, parts of Turkey, Aleppo, Aleppo there in Syria, that whole area, they just came right on down and just rolled, and they took everything they wanted. And the one city they've not taken yet is the city of the king, Jerusalem. And that's our context. So we pick it up now. In, after all the threats have been made and it's a standoff, we pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 19. And so it was, when King Hezekiah heard these threats, that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priest, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, and this, this is what he says. This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, that's Sennacherib's guy, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So, the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you've heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Then Rabshakeh returned back to Jerusalem, and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he departed from Lachish. These are surrounding cities that he took. And the king heard concerning Titha, king of Ethiopia, look, he's come out to make war with you. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah, because things are heating up, and now he's going to remind Hezekiah, we're coming for you. 
Verse 10, thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed? Gozan, Haran, Reseph, the people of Eden who were in Telesar. Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arphad, and the king of the city of Sephravim, Hannah and Eva? And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the works of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Now, the rest of this story... God immediately answers this prayer of Hezekiah and just completely says to Sennacherib and the Syrian Empire, you're nothing, you're nobody. I raised you up to do what I've allowed you to do, but you've, mocked, you've come against me. You will not prosper. You're done. You're done for. In fact, God would say to his people, hey, eat your food, sow in the land, plant, sow. You're going to prosper. You're going to go deep. You're going to take deep root, and you're going to spring forth high, and you're going to bear fruit. All that came later on in this chapter. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, under being surrounded by 185,000 troops, the angel of the Lord came and struck down the entire army of Assyria. The, what was left of the Assyrian elements, they went back home with their tail between their legs. And Sennacherib was assassinated by his own son while worshiping in his temple of his false god. That's the way it ended in this story. So now we come back to this part of the story it's this apex. You know, when you tell stories or books and movies, you get tension. And tension builds and builds, and you want, ah, oh, you know, like when, you fast, when you're binge-watching, you fast-forward because you just can't take it. You, like, it's like that, that kind of tension. Like, I just got to go ahead and make sure this has a happy ending. Maybe I'm the only one that does that, but okay, anyways. But there's tension here, and this is the zenith of the tension. And we want, if we're watching this, like, we're, oh, we need this resolve. This, I can't take this anymore, this this. Rich God and Sennacherib and these guys, oh, I just, I can't take it. And the bad guys are prevailing. And, but this is the, where the tide turns. So often is, in fact, in the day of trouble where God moves mightiest and the tide turns. Wouldn't you say the day that Jesus Christ was crucified was a day of great trouble? Did not the disciples say, are you the only one who hasn't heard what happened in our city? The sky darkened, the earthquake, everybody knew that when Jesus of Nazareth was taken out the city and crucified between two criminals, it was in fact a great, deep, dark day of trouble on the day of Passover, no less. And was not that the day that our redemption began? Isn't that the day Christ crucified? Christ crucified for me, Christ in me, the hope of glory? The day of trouble will often... The day of trouble with the Lord, because the day of comfort doesn't usually produce a lot of good fruit. It's usually the day of trouble that produces fruit in the life of a believer. And it's that zenith of tension 
and drama that the Lord comes through. You think of Moses when they had fled Egypt and they're there between Paharath Migdal and the Red Sea. And here comes Pharaoh's army and they have no way of escape. It is the day of trouble. And he cries out to the Lord with his staff and he says to the people, stand back and see the salvation of your God. And we, are, we sang the song, you turn seas into highways, right? We just sang that song. And that's what the Lord does for us in the day of trouble. I don't particularly like close victories. I like blowout victories. I saw a football coach say that this week. He goes, I like to win big. It makes life easier. Yeah, it does not it for all of us. But aren't the most exciting victories that come from behind? Or you just go like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we won. Like, that's that zenith. And in the human experience, we know that we have great days and we have average days and we have bad days. And I find it interesting that the Holy Spirit on the narrative here calls this through Hezekiah in verse 3, this day is a day of trouble. On this day of trouble, this is where God shows himself strong. On this day of trouble, we find out the true character of this man of God. On this day of trouble, we see how God, in God's economy, the kingdom moves and advances and is not hindered by evil men with boastful, blasphemous thoughts and words against the Lord. But on this day of trouble, we see what we know to be true, that the kingdom of God always prevails. The kingdom of light will always prevail over the kingdom of darkness. And God's not into the short five-minute drive-through lunch, if you will, the in-and-out world of America, but God's playing a long game right up until the day of Christ Jesus and the return of the Lord. We want immediate deliverance. We want things quickly, but the Lord, it's the wheels of God's kingdom are moving and moving. And even when he gave Daniel the vision in chapter 2 of Daniel of the kingdoms that would come, we see the mountain that crushes those kingdoms, and it's the kingdom of of the Lord. We endure the day of trouble, we live the day of trouble, but we never lose sight on the day of trouble that the day of the Lord is right around the corner. And in this story on this day of trouble, where Jerusalem is the last city not to fall, it looks like this is the very end of it all. Hundreds of years of God's people of covenant, this looks like it's the very end. 185,000 Assyrian troops. Hezekiah has done what he could. He stopped up the wells. He has the Hezekiah tunnel. He built the water system to provide water for the people under what would be the siege. He made shields for the defense of the people. He put together an army to fight these people. He was not going to go down without a fight. But the odds were profoundly stacked against him when it was his flesh against their flesh. And aren't you glad it's not our flesh against their flesh in the battles of the Lord? What did David say to Goliath? You come at me with that, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. For this day, the Lord will deliver you, for the battle is the Lord's. And we need to know on the day of trouble, whatever it looks like, however it's defined, however much we saw it coming or it just came, we need to know that the Lord saw it coming and has a plan for all eternity in it in the day of trouble. You know, the longer we live, the more likely and the more obvious we will see the day of trouble. When someone we love suddenly passes or they get a sickness and before you can even grasp it, they got something serious, it's quick, it's terminal, something like pancreatic cancer, it might happen in just two, three months and they're gone. You just can't even believe it. It might be a sudden accident. It doesn't matter if someone's young when they step into eternity or someone's old and you love them, you still miss them. So whether you're missing a 10-year-old daughter like our good friend Brian Jameson or like me missing my mom who stepped into eternity at 85, I still weep when I think of her during the holiday season. We miss our loved ones. 
And my mom defied death for so many years because it just seemed like she had physical weakness, but she kept going, her will to live, and then that was it. She came to our women's event, saw my daughter speak, went home, watched Jimmy graduate police academy, had Christmas Eve Eve with us, and then stepped into eternity five days later. It was her time, but for me it was a day of trouble. Watching my mom step into eternity and watching the spirit leave the body with my sister there and then cousin Jimmy, her son who walked in right when she passed. Oh, it was a day of trouble. Because the day of trouble isn't just one day. Even when the day of trouble happens, there's the the things that come after the day of trouble, right? When you get let go and you got to find another job. What if you started this week working for Microsoft or some of these big companies like Amazon and you're good enough to go to work on money and they called you and sent you the email? You're let go. And you've got a mortgage. You've got all these things. It's a day of trouble. Or the job's going well and you bid on it. You're the contractor. It's all going well. And suddenly they accuse you of things you didn't do. They twist it against you. And now they're threatening a lawsuit against you. It's the day of trouble. See, the day of trouble can look like a lot of different things. There's a lot of cynic ribs out there, isn't there? Male and female. And the Lord would have us learn in the day of trouble that he is our strength and he is our everything. And what we really see from Hezekiah here in the day of trouble is that we are to give it to the Lord. Three things that we see in this text we read tonight about the day of trouble for Hezekiah. And the first one is found in verse 3, where he says this phrase that really gets my attention. In this day of trouble, rebuke and blasphemy, For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. Now, I've watched my wife deliver our sons and daughters, our children. And many of you women know what it's like to give birth. And some some of you men were in the room when your wives gave birth or someone gave birth. You're just there. Childbirth is a profound thing to be in the room for, needless to say. And those that know, know. And of all things I could imagine, that would be like a really bad scenario is not having the strength to push for the baby to come out. Ladies, you understand, but this is important symbolism. The great king, the greatest king ever since the divided kingdom, the greatest king since the great king David says, this day of trouble is a day where there is no strength to bring forth the children, though it's time to birth the child. That is a contextually very profound statement. In other words, he says, this is a day where we need strength and we, when we most need strength. And when would a woman need strength more than to deliver the child in the last hour of delivery? And here he says, when we need the strength the most, we do not have it. Very powerful imagery. Which brings us to a New Testament verse that sheds light on this in a good way for us. There in 2 Corinthians Paul the Apostle has that famous passage where he said this about our weakness. Because in spite of having the tunnel built, one of the greatest engineering feats ever, like right up there at the pyramids, what Hezekiah's genius did to build the, from the spring, the, inside the city walls, the spring, and he created a water system that provided them the water they needed to endure the siege that was coming. It's archaeological history. People study it all the time. It's one of the greatest archaeological discoveries to this day, Hezekiah's tunnel by which he created the water system to endure the siege of Sennacherib. So we have these things that tell us and show us literally what happened. It's recorded for us. It's there in history. It's documented for us. And so Hezekiah, with that great fear, that's what was coming at him, built that tunnel system, an engineering feat beyond measure, 
He made shields. We're told in 2 Chronicles, he made shields to fight against the Assyrians. But what he saw going on right now, there's just no defense for this. No amount of water can be enough water to withstand what's coming our way. No amount of shields can be enough defense to fight this battle that's in front of us. And he said, we are, well, it's time to birth the child and we have no strength. Which brings us to the New Testament, as I mentioned in 2 Corinthians, where Paul the Apostle said this about our strength, our weakness, and God's strength. Because we need to realize that our weakness on the day of trouble is God's strength. Our weakness on the day of trouble is God's strength. And honestly, aren't we all most weak on the day of trouble? Our weakness, the very thing we fear is so vulnerable when the doctor says, hey, this is cancer, or this is this, or I have to tell you, you know. I remember my, one of my earliest childhood memories was 1966 when we lived in Cleveland, Ohio. My dad was in the Vietnam War. And I was in kindergarten. And I always remember when the Marine knocked on our door and told my mom my dad had been shot and wounded in Vietnam. It was a day of trouble. That knock on the door. And when that knock on the door happens or you're grasping a sense that some kind of tragedy is happening or some great thing, like Job said, the thing I feared the worst has come upon me. That weakest moment when our confidence is in the God of the universe, like Hezekiah's was, our weakness that we can no longer push to deliver this child is God's strength to come through and show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. For in 2 Corinthians, Paul said this, talking about his thorn in the flesh. Many of you know this passage, but he had an affliction. Most people think it was his eyes. But he said, you know, I had all this revelation from God But God gave me a thorn in the flesh, was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure concerning the thing that I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might, that this might depart from me. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says this now in verse 9. The Lord answered me. He said this. So when Paul pleaded for deliverance from this affliction, he says, the Lord answered him and said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say by the Holy Spirit, therefore, most godly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that a comforting verse? Isn't that just an amazingly comforting verse? See, We always talk about with the Lord, it's not our ability, but our availability. Well, so too in the day of trouble. It's not the strength that we brought to the day for this day of trouble that could come upon us. But it's it's being in the Lord, belonging to Jesus. That Christ is our sufficiency. That we've saved by faith. We're walking by faith and we're living by faith. And the day of trouble comes and you don't know what's going on. It's like it says in uh, Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, the interesting thing about that passage is that the peace that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So he'll give us peace even when we don't even understand it in the day of trouble. 
Because let's be honest, when the day of trouble comes and, and something happens so fast, you can just be in a shock mode trying to calibrate stuff. I'll never forget when the doctor came in the room to try and find the heartbeat for our first son in, when my wife was at full term. And I began to be alarmed because the nurse couldn't find the heartbeat and she left. I'm like, that's not a good sign. And the doctor came in, he does this with the whole thing, and he just looks at me and he's, he looks at me and Jennifer says, I'm sorry to tell you, but your baby has died. And the moment I heard that, it all, you know, it just went eclectic. It, it goes black and white. It all sounds like a soft lens and it just went black and white. And it's like a language that goes backwards instead of forward. Like you just, you just, when you hear stuff like that and you encounter stuff like that, you can't think straight. I remember one went to go see Brian Jameson after at Children's Hospital there in Orange. Our, our good friend, former associate pastor here and the pastor of our sister church there in Orange. I went to the hospital and I'd heard they just diagnosed Trinity, his daughter, with a, brain, a cancerous brain tumor. She went from headaches in a matter of just a few weeks, like this, the worst case scenario for a parent of a you know, nine-year-old daughter. And I always remember being in that lobby area and Brian came out to me and he just said I, 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 he just, they'd just gone through his father-in-law dying of cancer a prolonged battle with cancer his father-in-law, Heidi's dad and he's like, he's connecting that to his daughter and I remember just like I can't, I can't even process this right now like he, and I was sitting there listening to him I go, he is in shock right now he's literally in shock and that's how it works sometimes on the day of trouble He's, he's just in shock. You can't believe this is, this is happening. You're just, you're just in shock. Like, this is how life works. And it's when we find out who we are. We find out who we are and where our heart is on the day of trouble. But know this. Don't, don't fear the worst day because Christ is over it. And we're not living for time anyways, right? We're living for eternity. And if we really believe that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And through all events be conformed to the express image of his son, though we don't sign up for the day of trouble, we don't need to fear the day of trouble. And we can know that God is bigger than our worst fears. Our weakness is God's strength in the day of trouble. So if you're in shock, you can't believe this happened. These people betrayed you. This went this way. Do Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Because the day of trouble will bring us to the end of ourselves quickly. Because what you find out in those moments, and younger people may not know this, and some older people may not know this, but when death and tragedy come, no matter how much money you have, no matter how powerful you are, there's nothing you can do to stop it. You can't buy your way out of the grave. And you can't buy your way out of life's experiences. And from living from age one to the age of 80, you can't buy yourself out of, you just can't buy, you can't buy your way out of these things. You can't trade five houses in Balboa Bay to offset the loss of a, a child you love. They just, there's nothing you can do about it. You might be able to tell everyone what to do on Jamboree, but you can't do anything to save your son's life. That's how the day of trouble is. And death equalizes all of us. But through faith in Jesus Christ, our weakest moment on the day of trouble is God's greatest strength. So yes, it's good to have shields. It's not a bad idea to dig a really good water system so you can withstand the siege. But in the end, our confidence is in who God is, 
not in who we are on the day of trouble. Our confidence isn't how much we've prepared ourselves for that day of trouble. Our confidence is in our childlike faith in the God who's over us with his strength on the day of trouble. Now, the second thing we see here is where he gives the, puts the letter before the Lord here in verse 14. It says, so, you know, it comes around a second time, the threats, the bullying, all the intimidation, all this stuff. And they're, they're reading the resume of what they've done. No one can stop them. You're not going to stop us. How dare you trust in the Lord? You better fear us because we're human government. And Hezekiah says this. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers. He read it because you can't deny a government law or mandate. He read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. That's what you do with that stuff. You read it and you spread it before the Lord. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.